Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast. What's going on, everyone? Ken M. here, joined in the studio by the co-host. You know him. His name is Padawan J. Let me talk to you. Yeah, and we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports. There's a lot of news that's been going on. It's been Mm -hmm. a busy weekend. But before we get into that, Padawan J has a PSA he wants to do. To those of you who may or may not have heard about this story, this might be the first time you're hearing about this story, but I figured I'd bring it to your attention. Uh, to the person, if you happen to hear this episode, uh, who, who I hope this is the last episode you listen to because I'm about to insult you because you fucking deserve this. Mm-hmm. To the person in Wichita, Kansas, who cut down the Jackie Robinson statue at the ankles uh, this past week and then proceeded to do whatever it is they did with it because the the authorities in Wichita aren't 100% sure. The only thing they are sure of is today as we record, uh, pieces of it were found in a garbage can that was lit on fire uh, in a near uh, in a location nearby. So if, if you happen to be listening to this episode and you're the person who did this, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Because I, pardon me, I heard the story and I was obviously you know hurt a little bit by it because Jackie Robinson. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And Jackie Robinson, one of the greatest players of all time, did a lot for the game on and off the field. You know, deserve every praise and accolade he gets. You know, for the for rest of time. But like I heard this story and I'm like, I really hope part of me, like part of me, hoped it was really just somebody who was like desperate, needed money, was looking for some scrap metal to sell just because, they, you know, they couldn't make ends. And, you know, like it would have been shitty, but I would have been like, all right, it's awful. It sucks. But like, at least you had something of shitty intentions. No, it turns out whoever did this is just an asshole. No, fuck him. Uh, seriously. Uh, if, if you were the person in Kansas that was that did this horrendous thing, uh, kindly GFY. Uh-huh. Forever. And delete yourself from the feet. Th- from the thread here like i i cannot even put the words how pissed off i am about this shit yeah so that being said we kind of had to address it early because we have been kind of stewing about this here Mm -hmm. inside the studio before we went on air because we're just reading about this now yeah so let's Mm -hmm. get back to task here we have a lot to talk about the land of sports we got a bonus uh entertainment edition a little shorter that'll be coming on right after this one drops so we definitely want to keep a little separate for everybody because like I said, there's a ton of NFL news to talk about, some pro wrestling and some more sports talk. That That's what you tuned in for. But if you want to find out anything more, Pad, where does everybody go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. So if you want to go on to the social media accounts, you want to check out the T-Public store link, you want to check out the Patreon link, shout out to all our amazing patrons, one tier, $2 a month, boom. Can't say thank you enough there. The blog section, the classifieds, which has friends of the show, such as 3FM Podcast, Dragon Master Games, Nerd Initiative, the directory. Pat, how many providers are we on? Uh, 588,326. Sounds about right to me. I don't question him. That is why he is the statistician to the stars. Also, the music section where you hear such great musicians as Brian Wolf and the Howlers, Shout Out the Robots, Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, Floodlands, and many, many more. Basically, if it's anything and everything, it is the ODPH. You can find it at odphpodcast.com. And if you're using hashtags on social media, drop the hashtag ODPHpod. But let us get into it. We've had a lot of people questioning and asking about the past week 
of NFL action. The championship games for the AFC and NFC went down. There's a lot of storylines to talk about here, so let's kick it off, Pat. Yeah, so as we do with the NFL playoffs, we're going to be going in the order these games took place. That means the first game we're going to talk about is the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Baltimore Ravens. This, of course, was in uh, Baltimore. Uh, and you had the Kansas City Chiefs emerge victorious, beating the Ravens by the final score of 17-10. to 10. Patrick Mahomes, 30-39 of 39 for 241 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Lamar Jackson, 20-37 of 37 for 272 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Lamar Jackson also, read, also led the team in rushing with eight carries, 54 yards, no touchdowns. Isaiah Pacheo led Kansas City in rushing with 24 carries, 68 yards, just one touchdown. Uh, Travis Kelsey led Kansas City in receiving with 11 catches, 116 yards, and one touchdown. Uh, And then Zay Flowers led Baltimore in uh, receiving with five catches, 115 yards receiving, and only one touchdown. All right, well, we have to be honest here about this. Uh Much like we do on Wrestling Night Live, and we've done this here on the ODPH since day one, we always cut right down the middle. Baltimore did not play like a number one seed. No, they did not. They played like this was the first time they'd ever been to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to use the word embarrassing. Yeah. But for being the number one seed oh. in the AFC, they did not look it. Uh-huh. They did not act it. Uh-huh. They played very reckless, very, very foolishly at yes. times. Yes. And. Lamar Jackson had one of his worst games on record. Even with the 272 throwing, he still was not in sync with his offense. Uh huh. And I'll give credit to Steve Spagnola, the defensive coordinator of the Chiefs. Spagnola's a mastermind. He he's a genius about this. Uh huh. And what they did is they neutralized the running attack of Baltimore, which I thought was going to be the key to victory. Oh yeah. But if you're telling me that they only had 16 rushing attempts mm-hmm. the entire game. Half of them were Lamar. Mm-hmm. Then there's no question they were not prepared for this game. Absolutely. I mean, just because to bounce off of what you just said with the running game, okay, we take out half half of the uh, rushing attempts, like I mentioned, eight from Lamar. Okay, well, then you get three from Gus Edwards, who only got 20 yards, uh, two from Zay Flowers, who had four yards, and three from Justice Hill, who had three yards. You know, so that ain't shit. And even with Lamar getting half of the rushing attempts, you know there was going to be a QB spy on him anyway, Mm -hmm. just because even if they call a passing play, if it breaks down or somebody from the Kansas City front line on defense gets past the O-line and is ready to say him, he's going to take off anyway. Mm-hmm. So so Kansas City was ready for it. Clearly Baltimore wasn't because, you know, they laid a goose egg at the worst possible time. Well, that's the biggest takeaway from this story, or this game, rather. The story is Baltimore wasn't ready. And it's weird to say because this is not the first time they've been to the playoffs. No. But in this situation, they got outclassed uh-huh. by Kansas City. Yep. Who I hate saying the word dynasty right. with them. Right. But with what Patrick Mahomes is doing with his team, mm-hmm. they could make an argument per se. Mm-hmm. Do I refer to him as one? No. But if they win it this year, they are. If they win it this year, yeah, you can definitely throw them in that they conversation. Win it, even without having been there however many years out of the last four or five. 
if you just look at last year and this year, they'll be back to back, and nobody in the NFL has gone back to back in a in the in a Super Bowl champions since the Patriots in 04, 05. Mm-hmm. And that's something you have to give credit to. Or 03, 04, whatever. The Kansas, it was. Yeah, the Kansas City organization. I mean, yeah. They came in there. They implemented a game plan yeah. on both sides of the ball. The defense shut down Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. and their running attack, so they forced it into a shootout. And, and once you get past Zay Flowers, which, man, I feel for that guy. You know, you, you had the fumble up through the end zone. Uh, but once you look past Zay Flowers, nobody else in the receiving game really had much either. Like, you you look at the stat line, you go 272, one touchdown, one interception. You go, you look at that just from the pure stat line aspect, and you go, tell any NFL fan who might not have seen the game, whatever, off the grid, whatever, and you go, hey, we had a quarterback in a game on, on Sunday, 272 yards passing, a touchdown, and an interception. What do you think happened as the result of the game? Probably 75, 80% of people would say they won. You might have a couple people take a shot in the dark and say, oh, they probably lost. Mm-hmm. Majority are going to say they won. But no, they lost this game because once you get past Zay Flowers, Nelson Aguilar, one for 39 yards. Justice Hill, four for 34. OBJ, three for 22. Gus Edwards, one for 16. Isaiah Likely, two for 16. Mark Andrews, you know, making his return from. I was shocked at this. Mike and Mike, Mark making his return from IR, two for 15. Uh, oh, by the way, he only had two targets. Lamar Jackson, because there was that whole bad ship crazy play. Mm-hmm. Uh, one for 13. Rashad Bateman, one for two. Like, Zay Flowers had a great game. You know, the fumble notwithstanding. But everybody else couldn't catch the damn ball unless they had glue on their hand. Well, I mean, let's talk about it. That was the only bright spot of Baltimore's offense. Yeah. Because they were driving. And mark my words, if Flowers scored that touchdown... Game-changing. Game-changing. And mm-hmm. Baltimore might have swung it back into their way. Yeah. But once that fumble happened, and you can't fault him too much, it was a perfect punch out. Yeah. I, I give all the credit in the world to whoever the defender was. I forget who it was. Well, Kansas City, like I say, they were prepared for this top to bottom. Yeah. And Flowers was playing with a lot of emotion. And listen, I'm not blaming him. Yeah. For being a rookie, he came in there and did all he can do. Yeah. But... This is one of those situations Baltimore should have switched up their game plan a little bit mm-hmm. and tried doing something different because offensively they became very one-dimensional and yeah, not yeah. and not to Lamar Jackson's strengths. Yeah. On the defensive side of the ball, did they not watch the Buffalo game? Apparently not. You let Travis Kelsey wide open yet again. Uh-huh. 11 targets, 11 catches. Mm-hmm. So what is that telling you? I mean, at least the Buffalo game, I can excuse it a little bit because Buffalo had a lot of injuries with their linebacker core, which is primarily where Kelsey is going to run. Yeah. At least least the Buffalo game, I can asterisk it. You You can asterisk it. Small asterisk. Like, okay, Buffalo had a lot of linebacker injuries. Okay. This one, you had no goddamn excuse. No, you're the number one seed. You had a bye week. You had a lot of momentum in your favor, and yet you turn out a performance like this. Yeah. Where Kelsey is burning you, mm-hmm. and you know that Mahomes goes to him in big games. I mean, tight ends for great tight ends are already a security blanket as is. Right. You know, you look at Mark Andrews when he's when he's healthy and good to go. Uh, Rob Gronkowski when he was with Brady, pick a team. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Jason Witten when he was with Tony Romo or 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 Dak or whoever was in Dallas. Dallas Clark with Peyton Manning. You know, Jimmy Graham for his early years with uh, Drew Brees. You know, tight ends are always a security blanket and a surefire thing for a great quarterback. Sure. But once you factor in the Kansas City receivers who all year have been suspect at best, you know, with the exception of Rasheed Rice, Mm -hmm. you know, 
it's pretty goddamn obvious and you don't have to be the greatest, you know, defensive coordinator in NFL history to figure out, yeah, they're probably going to go to Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Like everyone and their mother knows he's going to be looking for Kelsey. Exactly. If, if nobody else is open. Exactly. Like if you got beat by Rasheed Rice, okay, like that's understandable. That's understandable. He's emerging as yeah. Mahomes number two on that team. Yeah. Kelsey is the clear cut number one. Yeah. But everybody else on that team got no real traction. No. So literally Travis Kelsey beat you, solidifying his place in NFL history to a lot of people. Uh yeah, because he broke Jerry Rice's record for uh receptions in uh postseason history. Mm-hmm. And this is mind blowing that a team of Baltimore's caliber could not figure out how to shut this down. I mean, we've been saying it for weeks. If you want to beat Kansas City, shut down Kelsey. Yeah. Because you take out Kelsey's 11 for 16. You got Rasheed Rice who went 8 for 46, which, hey, pretty good game. Mm-hmm. But then you got Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 2 for 38. Uh, Justin Watson, 1 for 16. Isaiah Pacheo, 4 for 14, receiving, mind you, not rushing. Uh, Noah Gray, 2 for 8. Two for eight. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, two for three. And then Richie James, none for none, but he did get targeted one time. Right. So, like we said, take out Travis Kelsey, you know, take him out of the game plan, double cover him, triple cover him, whatever the fuck you got to do, and dare these other receivers to step up and share the load. Mm-hmm. And for Kansas City, they prove that they're in that high class of the NFL. Like, I, I hate saying this because. Oh, yeah. No, it's it, you got you to gotta put them there just because. The fact that they've been to the AFC Championship game like every year Mahomes has been a starter, mm-hmm. and they've only missed the Super Bowl the one time, and that was when uh, Joe Burrows beat them right. and, and went on to lose to the L.A. Rams in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It's a run we haven't seen since, well, Tom Brady and the Patriots. Right. You don't see dynasties like this. No, you don't. Although I got to say, it's making me feel a lot better about the Patriots beating the Chiefs in, uh, what was it, the 2018 season? Yeah. Or 2019 in the AFC Championship game. Well, making me feel a lot better about that game. Well, yeah, because that was Mahomes' first real test. Yeah. And to see where he's grown now. It's it's wild. Yeah, it's crazy to think. And like I say, I I haven't put him in that dynasty class yet. I I give him all the respect in the world. And I'm not like like a a lot of people are like, oh, I hate this. I fucking hate it. Like, it's awful. Like, I'm just sitting here. I'm getting to see a run like we just experienced for 20 years with Brady, but I'm getting to see it from the other side. So for me, it's fun as hell to see. I'm enjoying it. Like, do I enjoy seeing them win all the time? No, but like I get it, I understand it. I was, I was a fan of it for twenty some odd years with Brady, so I don't, I'm not pissed off about it. I'm sitting here, I'm enjoying it from the other side of the, of the fence, which is it's a wild perspective to see, and I, it's not one I thought I would get to see mm-hmm. in my lifetime, just because I didn't think, even when you take out the Patriots, like how many ever many years they won the AFC East, sure, just you know the fact that Belichick and Brady made it to the Super Bowl how many fucking times? Like what was it like ten? Eight, nine, ten, something like that. I didn't think we would see another run like that ever. And if it was, I'd be like 80, 90 years old. So the fact we're getting to see this run, I'm I'm impressed by them. I give them their flowers. Do I call them a dynasty yet? No. If they win the Super Bowl, though, you have to. You'll have to put them in that consideration. But I agree with you. I don't call them a dynasty yet. Like I say, they're I, almost I, there. I made a Freudian slip because that's the word I keep hearing associated with this team. Yeah. But when you have to look at the runs they made to the playoffs, this has been their worst team. Yeah. And they're getting there, and a lot of it is luck. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be very honest about this. They're not going in there and imposing no. their will. This isn't a dominating win where Lamar Jackson looked like utter shit and couldn't get anything done. Like, no, he still put up 272 and one touchdown. 
No, this is a situation that, in a weird sense, the mystique of the Chiefs is much like the mystique of the Patriots when Brady was in his prime. A little bit, yeah. Because they're psyching teams out for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. And the thing that Kansas City is doing really well is they're taking the opening kickoff. Mm-hmm. And they're going right down the field and scoring, and they're doing big plays early. If you haven't noticed that, uh-huh. that is something they did against Buffalo. That's something they did against Baltimore. Yep, I believe they did it against Miami. I can't really remember. Maybe. But in this situation, that's two weeks in a row at least. Yeah. They went right to Kelsey. They wanted to establish tempo early. Oh, yeah. And they sent a message, and they literally took their best shot early. Like It's kind of a weird thing to, to break down, but it's true. Well, because what? Like They started off this game, and they were like four plays down the field, and it was fucking out of control, and they, and they scored. Yeah. So when you start putting that into perspective, that is what they wanted to do. They set the tempo early, and it psyched out Baltimore, which yeah. is crazy to think about. But it's true. Yeah. Because Baltimore, even though they came right down and scored. Right. Kansas City went right down and, and did the same thing. I like, mean, because Kansas City, yeah, so you had the opening play was a three and out from uh, Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Kansas City came back, 10 plays, 86 yards, five minutes and 45 seconds. Yeah. Which is crazy, but that's what they did. I mean, like, yeah. oh, that's right. They did get the opening kickoff. All right. So my mistake on that. But honestly, Baltimore did not do anything noteworthy no. in that first drive. No. And this is something Kansas City understands the tempo in the room. Like, they're interesting to watch. Yeah, Albeit, yeah. though, they get a lot of luck their, their way. Yeah, there is a little bit of that. Just saying, and just somebody was watching at home, this is, they get a lot of luck their way. But you got to give them their due. They shut down the Baltimore defense, which was number one against the pass all season. Yep. And they made them look like amateurs. And it's a wild thing to say, but it's true. They punched Baltimore in the mouth, and they had no real response. I know the game was only by seven points. Right. Doesn't matter. Baltimore looked like they were in shambles for this game. Yep. So Kansas City now has punched their tickets to Vegas in two weeks. Yep. And they have a very familiar dance partner waiting for them. Yeah, they do. And it's not Taylor Swift, even though she might be there. (laughs) No. uh, So the other game is the NFC Championship game, which was between the Detroit Lions and the San Francisco 49ers, which, of course, took place from Santa Clara, California. And you had the San Francisco 49ers emerge victorious, winning by the final score of 34 to 31. Brock Purdy, 20 of 31 for 267 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Jared Goff. 25 of 41, 273 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, David Montgomery led the way for Detroit in rushing with 15 carries, 93 yards, just one touchdown. Uh, Christian McCaffrey led the way for San Francisco, going 20 carries, 90 yards, and two touchdowns. Debo Samuel led the way for San Francisco in receiving with eight catches, 89 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, And Sam Laporta led the way for Detroit, going nine catches, 97 yards, and no touchdowns. This game can easily be summed up as Detroit was in over their heads. Yep. And they were so not used to closing a monumental playoff game. Uh huh. That I don't want to use the word choked, but they were up uh, what was it, twenty four to seven at halftime. Yeah. This this is a very bad collapse. Yeah. This is a situation for a team that was, you know, the sentimental favorite, I guess, for uh-huh. a lot of fans because yeah. obviously it's been 30 years since they got to an NFC championship game. 
Dan Campbell has done an amazing job turning this team around into oh, yeah. a serious contender. Absolutely. And when they jumped out early, we all thought this game was done. I mean, I thought going into halftime, like you, like we said, it was twenty four or twenty four to seven. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there going with the, just the way the momentum had swung, and and Detroit came out with such a fire, you know, leading fourteen nothing after the first quarter. I I'm sitting there at halftime going, holy shit, like. The way these teams are playing, if Detroit puts up one more score, this might be out of reach. Because mm-hmm. I know the thing they kept saying on the broadcast, oh, race to 30, race to 30, who can get to 31st? Like, fine, whatever. But just the way I'm looking at it is, you know, average Joe on his couch, Detroit was playing better in the first half, you know? And the score reflected that. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, Detroit's looking like they got this in the bag. But that's why they uh, play two halves, and clearly Kyle Shanahan uh, learned from his time in Atlanta. Yes, he did, because who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Atlanta is a bad memory he does not want to relive again. Uh, And and yet he will. And yet, in this situation, he got bailed out by Brock Purdy. Yes. Who figured it out finally. Well, and they just adjusted in the second half on both sides. Yeah. They, like I say, they figured it out. Uh Uh-huh. And... He literally took this game into his own hands. Yep. Which I know he's often referred to as a game manager. Mm-hmm. He took over this game. Yeah, he did. And he literally laid out everything he could do for this. And you can call it, you know, divine intervention, I guess, or whatever you want to define it. Sure. The pass to Brandon Ayuk. Holy shit is one of the most freakish things that went their way. Nothing you can do about it. And it literally took the wind out of the Lions. Yeah. Uh-huh. They had no response to it. Uh-huh. The momentum started shifting. Uh-huh. And San Francisco's defense really locked in on shutting down the passing attack yeah. of Detroit. Now, I want to bring this up, though. Okay. You're running the ball. Effectively. Effectively. In that first half, mm-hmm. why Detroit? Why did we go away from that in the second? I have no damn idea. This is the question mark I have on this team because if you are up twenty-four to seven, mm-hmm. that is a seventeen-point lead. Yes. If you're doing this to the number one seed in your conference, uh-huh. why would you stop? Why would you stop the clock? Exactly. You know, just keep running the ball and let the clock run. Exactly. Like, there's no rhyme or reason for this. So I blame them on that factor. Mm-hmm. Dan Campbell had two opportunities to kick for a field goal. When it was fourth down, what, fourth and three? Fourth Something and like that. Yeah, it was close. And I understand he has the reputation for just going for it, win at all costs. Like, listen, I well, respect it. We'll say who doesn't in the NFL these days. Well, he no, but he's he's notorious no, I know, for it. I know, but, but that's what I I'm know. saying. He's the one that, like, I fully believe in that. But here would be my argument against it. This is the playoffs. This is the difference, literally, mm-hmm. of you going to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to have ice water in your veins. There's also another thing about having no pulse. That second half, you had no pulse. 
kick the points. Yep, take the points and put it on your defense. Exactly, because your defense is the one area which I said numerous times is going to be Detroit's biggest weakness. Yeah. They're secondary. Yeah. And when Ayuk got the ball, granted it was a fluke, Yeah, that started getting the passing game going. All of a sudden, uh, San Francisco had a spark, mm-hmm. and they had a hope and a dream. And that well, that's the only thing they needed because that was so crushing to Detroit. They yeah. did not respond. Yeah, it's something about being in the playoffs, and you can tell the teams that have been there and the teams that have not. Well, I mean, they showed up the graphic during the at the start of the game with how many players on Detroit had NFC Championship experience, mm-hmm. championship game experience, and it was like three or four. And then how many guys on San Francisco had? championship game experience and it was like 40 50 something mm-hmm. it was an absurd number you know it's it's crazy and you know what the the, the wildest stat too purdy himself does not have that many experienced games no he doesn't but yet he went in there and i'm this might be a wild comparison okay reminded me a little bit of steve young oh okay. a little bit okay. because he yeah. was mobile when he needed to I be i can see it and especially in that third down scenario where they needed that a conversion. Yeah. And he stepped up and took it and took a bad shot, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, he did. This is what you want as the leader of your team, as your offense. He understood the temp in the room that if you did not convert on this down, the game was probably going to be over in Detroit's favor. He still led that charge. It made up for points, especially McCaffrey punching in, and I believe after... Yeah, something like, like that. You had so much going on here with McCaffrey, who, listen, Whew. I've said he's in that MVP conversation for a reason. 20 for 90 and two TDs. Mm-hmm. He was the spark that they needed to when they got momentum in their favor. Mm-hmm. That is why he was added to this team. Oh, so McCaffrey also you factor in the receiving yards. He had 42 yards in the air. Mm-hmm. So in total yards, he's over 130. Oh, yeah. 32. He, he is the reason why this team is the number one seed, mm-hmm. without question. And then when they – took the physical game to the wide receivers of Detroit, you started seeing Detroit is still a little bit away from making that run. Mm-hmm. Not much, but a little bit. Yeah. And when it's all said and done, the 49ers punched their way to a yeah. rematch from 2020 against Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So the biggest takeaways for me for this, I mean, Dan Campbell, I know, has been getting absolutely annihilated on social media about this. Yeah, a little bit. Which I understand. It's fair criticism. Yeah. Because in this situation, it's one thing to be brave, it's another thing to be naive. His bravado for his team mm-hmm. overlooked what he should have done. Mm-hmm. And I understand, like, listen, high risk, high reward. Yeah. If he nails it, he's a legend. Sean Payton with the onside kick. Mm-hmm. But when you don't and especially this happened twice, mm-hmm. this is what's going to come back to haunt you. Yep. And I understand there was some criticism about, uh, I guess, a comment he made after this, like he was telling players. This he was is, telling this might be our, this might have been our only shot. I think he's being very honest. That, that's realistic. And I had no problem with him saying this. Because much like, you know, whoever wins the Super Bowl, a lot of these teams, this is going to be the last time all 32 teams in the NFL look the way they do. Mm-hmm. Next year, they're going to be different. Some guys will be retired. Some guys will have moved on to other teams. You know, whatever the case may be. But this is the last time this group of guys is going to suit up on the field as the Detroit Lions 
in much as we saw, you know, use the Jets as an example. You know, how many years did they make it to the AFC Championship game? Didn't get to, didn't get to the Super Bowl, and then after that, what have they done since? Yeah, no, that is, it's a fair statement. So, like I say, I don't fault him for it. The only thing that he is going to have to do, and and I think he understood, I think he might have made this comment because he thought his offensive coordinator was going to leave. It's been announced he's staying. Yes, announced he, today. Yeah, he turned down the job for Washington, I believe, and Seattle, and Seattle. So I think he understands what's going on with his team. But what they should do is use this as motivation for next year. Yeah, because the one thing that I really feel is the the comments behind the statement is a lot of teams. Looked over Detroit. Oh, yeah. Took them too lightly. Oh, yeah. This happens every year. There's one team that's going to surprise everybody. Usually. In this situation, it's Detroit. Teams now are going to be focusing on golf Mm -hmm. and how to shut them down. Their offense is still going to be putting up points next year, but Detroit really needs to upgrade on their defense next year. Mm -hmm. Secondary help is huge. Like, as much as I would hate to see this, I could. this would also be a huge help for Detroit. If if they got Micah Hyde, oh, they need Buffalo yeah. to go there. Yeah. They need a strong presence in their safety position. I don't think they had that this year. Uh, depends on if they have the cap space too. Well, that's going to be a situation that we'll be talking about as the draft is coming on and, and free agency. But it's a it's a heartbreaking loss for Detroit. But this is why San Francisco is built to win now. Uh huh. That Brock Purdy being the second coming of Steve Young. Oof. Did not get rattled. No. Kept very grounded. And with, with Joey Montana in attendance, yeah, too. Yeah, a little, like, there's a little bit of Montana in him, too. Yeah. Like, I, like, the fact that John Lynch, and I've said this many times on the show, if you're new listeners, thank you for checking us out. John Lynch might be the smartest GM in all of football. Mm-hmm. He literally might be, because he found a diamond in the rough here. The literal last pick in the NFL draft. Yeah. Mr. Irrelevant. And now he's going to be facing... His greatest task to date. Also, uh, he's going to be the third youngest quarterback in NFL history to start in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Because now he's got Kansas City, and unless he has just an awful game, mm-hmm. he's going to have the 49ers in position to win it. Which, you know, wouldn't be the first time. Peyton Manning against the uh, Seattle Seahawks definitely comes to mind. Oh, yeah. It's it's not out of the realm of no, thought. No, it's not un- impossible. It's certainly possible. But the question mark is going to be now, this is going to be a rematch from 2020. Yep. We're going to talk about this, the preview for we'll that next week. We'll give a full week. point, yeah, next week. Yeah. But now it's going to be how do does he handle the – Media week at and oh. for the Super Bowl. Yeah, especially the extended. He's used to having a week off, sure, but this ain't an average week off. Right. And, I mean, how is the rest of that team going to do that's new members of both squads? The other thing that's being reported, because I know a lot of people are wondering where they're going to be staying for said Super Bowl because it's in fucking Vegas. And uh, it's a lot of distractions in Vegas if you've ever been there. You know what I'm talking about. This is very true. Uh, reportedly, they're staying like 25 miles or something like that outside of the city of Vegas. Smart move. So they stay away from any and all distractions. Smart move. Also, if any players, if you're listening to this podcast, hi, hope you have a good game. Hope you do well for yourselves. Uh, you better think think strongly before you consider any gambling because the NFL is going to come down hard on your ass for that. Yeah. Don't, this, do, don't, don't, don't gamble. It's going to be an interesting time between now and the big game, but we mm-hmm. have our two teams locked and loaded for it. Mm-hmm. So hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPagePod. The Super Bowl is now set. Kansas City is representing the AFC. San Francisco is rep- representing the NFC. What is your feelings on the championship games? Let's talk about them. 
And then we have two weeks to talk Super Bowl, so let's make sure we're doing that on all the social media accounts. Until then, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You ever wondered what comics Mark from Vale Mai is into? What Zach from Left Behind's favorite MCU movies are? Well, Metalcore Nerds is the show for you. My name is Sean Mott, and here at Metalcore Nerds, we cover the latest things in pop culture, whether it be Star Wars, Marvel, DC, AEW, and everything else in between. You can listen to the show every Monday on Adobe Howl at 7 p.m. Eastern or find it anywhere you find podcasts after it debuts on the radio station. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to talk a little bit pro wrestling. Oh, yeah, we do. A big weekend just transpired for World Wrestling Entertainment as the road to WrestleMania has officially kicked off. Yes. With the 2024 Royal Rumble hailing from Tampa, Florida. Uh-huh. And there's some storylines that were coming out this weekend, so we're going to recap the card, give you our thoughts on the big event, and a little bit of Monday Night Raw reaction as well. So, Pat, yeah. ring the bell. Uh, yeah, so this took place, of course, from Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, Florida, with an announced attendance and a new attendance record at uh, Tropicana Field, because Lord knows the Rays ain't ever breaking this record. Very true. Uh, of 48, allegedly, 000. allegedly. No, there, there's no allegedly. <laughs> You've, you and I, as Yankee fans, have seen the Rays' home attendance when the Yankees aren't in town. Yeah. It, it, it's it's low, uh, but yeah, forty eight thousand and forty four people were in attendance for the Royal Rumble, and we're going to talk about the main card, uh, which of course there's nothing on the pre show, uh, but the first card, first match on the main card was the women's Royal Rumble match, and you had uh, in one hour and five minutes, uh, Bailey won uh, by last eliminating Liv Morgan. Uh, Bailey also set the women's record for longest time in a singular Royal Rumble match, going one hour three minutes. Three seconds. Uh, some notable names we saw in this event. You had Naomi return uh, after being o- away from the company for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is officially back, uh, reportedly going to be with the SmackDown brand, which, of course, makes sense. Seems no, no surprise there. Her husband's over there, so it makes sense. Uh, didn't have long to wait for another surprise, though. Number five, you saw TNA knockout champion Jordan Grace appear. I marked out like Ooh. nobody's business about this. I... I'm super excited that the TNA Knockouts champion was representing. Yeah, uh, They've done this in the past, too, with Mickey James uh, mm-hmm. when TNA was uh, known as Impact. But yep. if you had not seen Jordan Grace wrestle, Jordan I was impressed. is very impressive. Holy shit. And I'm not doubting in a couple years we don't see her full-time in WWE. Give me a triple threat. Her versus Bianca versus uh, uh, Rhea Ripley. Oh, I, I take that. Give me a triple threat. No, it was am- it was amazing to see, and she had a great performance. Too. Yeah, uh, some of the other names we saw uh, in attendance because you had the usual, you know, Raw and SmackDown folks, but some uh, unannounced ones. Uh, Roxanne Perez did make an appearance uh, from NXT. had a had a fairly good uh, showing. Uh, Tiffany Stratton was there from NXT. Uh, also, Jade Cargill finally made her appearance, coming in at the number twenty eight position. Fucking hell! Admittedly, I have not seen Jade Cargill wrestle because my uh, love and affection for AEW is well noted on this program. This is true. Pad does not watch AEW. No. So I have not seen Jade Cargill wrestle before. So this was my first exposure to see because I didn't want to go in having seen anything. I wanted to go in fresh and and kind of blind. You know, I'd heard some stories, but like I hadn't seen anything physically. I was fucking impressed with Jade Cargill. Holy fuck. Cargo was the MVP of this match. Yeah, she was. She singularly eliminated Nia Jax when in years past they've needed like six people to do it. Well, the thing about Cardgill coming in from AEW, and AEW, we have to give credit to them. Oh, yeah. They made her a star there. She had been very new to the business, though. You could tell in her matches. 
Mm-hmm. She's still learning. So oh, she's, yeah. she's she's not, what would you say, a finished product? Yeah, she's still a little green behind the ears. Yeah, a little bit. Like, she's still learning, yeah. but that's the one thing that she's been very open about, that that's why she wanted to leave AEW and come to WWE to get she's more learning. She's been training since 2019. Yeah. So what she's been doing now since she's been with the company for a few months, Yeah, she's been training. I know with uh, Natalia. Yeah. And, I mean, who better? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's really. very few people better than Natalia for training. So now she, this has been the star moment that fans have been waiting to see. Mm-hmm. Cargill embraced the spotlight, knew the temp in the room, so to uh-huh. speak. Uh-huh. And really wanted to have people talking about her. Yep. Which she successfully did. Holy fuck, yeah. The athleticism, we never questioned. I mean, obviously, if you saw AEW, she's always had it. But she put it together here. If you haven't seen the clip, there's a clip online of Jade's elimination of Nia Jax, which I highly recommend you go check out that clip. But basically, she picks up Nia Jax in like a fireman's carry Mm -hmm. and then proceeds to put one of her arms down by her waist, does like a flexing motion, like, oh, I'm going to flex for the camera, and then grabs her and then tosses her over the rope. Oh, by the way, by herself. The reaction Becky Lynch then has because she's been feuding with Nia Jax the last couple of weeks on television, was, I think, everyone's reaction of just, oh, my God. Yeah. No, Cardgill made a star-making appearance uh-huh. that now to the WWE Universe, Yeah, people are talking about her. The stare-down she had with uh, Bianca Belair in the ring, fucking take my money now. I mean, this has been something we've talked about on 607 TWS in the past, Wrestling Night Live. This match... Will headline a WrestleMania someday? Absolutely. I don't doubt this happening on this year's WrestleMania card. I can see it. Unless they want to try doing something different and have them going for the tag team titles. Mm, Maybe. But I don't think that's going to happen. I I really don't. But if it did, I'd be okay with it. Mm -hmm. Jade made a strong first impression on the WWE Universe. And it's only going uphill from here and literally was the star-making yeah. moments of this match. Uh, the one last one we got to mention, she did return from injury after um, some time away, uh, Liv Morgan. Yeah, very excited. Came in, see, came in number 30. You know, very excited to see her come back. I wasn't yeah. sure exactly how she was going to come back. Like, it was right. maybe a new gimmick, maybe something different. Very happy to see her back. Yeah. And now going into Elimination Chamber, mm-hmm. you'd have to imagine she's going to be involved in that match. You would figure. But I, we don't know any details yet, but You're I would right. have to imagine that depending on what Bailey does now, winning the Royal Rumble, yep, Bailey gets a caller shot against Io Sky or Rhea Ripley. Mm-hmm. On Monday Night Raw, she teased Rhea, uh-huh. but then... Nia Jax came out yeah. and destroyed Rhea Ripley. But Bailey was like, well, I was going to announce it on Friday anyway. <laughs> so wasn't really sure how to take that other than we're just going to kind of have fans guessing. I But but I feel like they're teasing it a little bit, though, because obviously they showed Rhea Ripley and Eos Sky during the the Rumble match, mm-hmm. which that's standard. Uh, the one year they had, what was it? It was Alexa Bliss and Charlotte, who are the current champs, ringside one, Oscar uh, won it. So it made sense during the Rumble, but during that segment on Monday Night Raw, they did specifically have a camera on EO Sky when Bailey said she's going to make the announcement. She she said, "Oh, I was going to make the announcement on Friday Night SmackDown anyway." Mm-hmm. And then the camera cut to EO Sky, and she kind of had this like nervous, dejected look on her face, like, "Shit, I was hoping she'd tell us right now so I can stop worrying." Yeah. So they, they are teasing it a little bit. They're teasing it, which I mean is smart because. Yeah. 
honestly, I don't see Bailey even announcing on Friday. I think they have no. to, they have to start building up for the destruction of damage control or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. And I think they were kind of waiting to see how certain players were going to come into play. Uh-huh. So we're still going to build up to this storyline. Eventually, it's going to be Bailey versus Io Sky. I you fully, have to figure, yeah. I fully think that's going to happen. Yeah. And then things are going to, are going to get very interesting. Yeah. Because Rhea Ripley is going to be facing the winner of what we assume would be the women's elimination chamber. You would figure, yeah. So whoever's involved in that match, we'll talk about when that is fully booked. Mm-hmm. But great, great opening bout, though. Great opening match. Uh, the next match was the fatal four-way match for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Uh, and this match lasted 19 minutes and 30 seconds, and you had Roman Reigns emerge victorious, winning via pinfall. Uh, didn't stack them all up and pin them all at the same time like I thought. That almost happened during the match, although Roman wasn't involved, but good match regardless. Once it got announced for being the second match of the night, it kind of yeah. became very predictable. Yeah. I thought everybody looked good in this match. Yeah. LA Knight especially. Oof. And I think this was just to get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. So yeah. with Roman now and how the show ended, which we'll get to, mm-hmm. I think this kind of clears the deck for him a little bit. But I also think it'll be interesting for the three other combatants that were in this match. I think it's safe to say Randy Orton's going to have a very high-profile match at Mania. You would figure. L.A. Knight, we assume, is going to be facing a certain uh, social media influencer. You'd figure, yeah. Especially after this kind of performance, I think that they want to see what he can do in this kind of situation. I just want L.A. Knight to have a match when they go to France for Backlash so he can have the crowd go, L.A. Knight, we. Oh, it's going to happen. That's going to be like, I'm going to pop for that. It's going to be incredible for that. But, you know, the the big X factor here is AJ Styles. Yes. I'm not sure where we go with him. I mean, he's going to be on Mania, no question. Yeah, 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 yeah. But against who... That's a whole different ball game. Could be interesting. So Friday night will kind of tip their hand a little bit of where mm-hmm. his, he's going with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up was the singles match for the WWE United States Championship, uh, and you had Logan Paul defeat Kevin Owens via disqualification in 14 minutes. Uh, should note, it's being reported by Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer uh, that Kevin Owens worked the match with a fractured foot. Uh, quote, per Meltzer, the injury occurred during Owens' match against Santos Escobar on the January 5th episode of WWE uh, SmackDown. Close quote. Holy fuck. Well, you know what? I can see Kevin Owens doing that. Yeah, I can too. Kevin Owens is old school, man. Yeah, he is. And that's why he's one of the best. Uh, and you know what? I don't doubt him working this match. I don't know what's going to happen after this, if that is very true about the injury. Ending of this match was incredible. The ending of this match was very, very smart. Which the pro- list of pro- I saw the list of producers came out. Uh, Shane Helms produced this match. Oh, credit to the Hurricane. Uh-huh. Because this, this is, ending was awesome. Well, this is a situation that Logan Paul and, and Kevin Owens were having a very back-and-forth match. Kevin yeah. Owens was looking great. Kevin Owens looked like he was going to pull it out a couple times there. Mm-hmm. Oh, he did. And then when the Brass Knucks came into play because one of well, Logan's cronies. Yeah, I, 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 I apologize. I don't really follow Impulsive. I, I, know, I catch clips. I know who Mike is on the show. I catch clips. I don't routinely watch. Right, but I don't know everybody who's on that show. 
So it was somebody that's connected with Logan Paul was in there trying to hand him brass knucks. He, he got caught. The ref saw him. Ref called out security. Security tried to escort him out. Out came Grayson Waller and Austin Theory because of fucking course they did. Yep. Uh, you know, they don't like Kevin Owens, you know, and then I forget if it was Waller or Theory, one of the two. Theory. Theory grabbed the brass knucks, slipped them to uh, Logan Paul, and Logan Paul went to hit Kevin Owens with the brass knucks, but of course Kevin saw it coming, stopped him, grabbed hold of the brass knucks, knocked out uh, Logan Paul with the brass knucks, went for the pin. However, the hand with the brass knucks was facing and or on the same side as the referee. The referee saw it because the referee went, one, two, wait a minute. I see those brass knucks. He's unconscious because of those brass knucks. Disqualification. Yeah, so it definitely extends Logan Paul out there. Yeah, we which we, we figured he'd go into Mania as champ. Right. And the only question mark I have now is, obviously, we're going to have a women's uh, elimination chamber. Uh-huh. I assume we're going to have a men's. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think they're going to split it between three Raw representatives, three SmackDown for both shows, or both the, matches. One would say yes. I don't doubt that we have Logan Paul enter said match. Ooh. And I also don't doubt that L.A. Knight yeah. is in that match as well, and that will build up that eventual showing. Well, you got you got to figure Jimmy will be in there. Well, not Ro- Roman will have Roman will have uh, the wise man uh, work his avenues. I wouldn't doubt Solo. Oh, that's a good that's a good option I don't, too. I don't think. Well, you know they might. I mean, there's a lot of different ways they can go with it. Yeah. So I wouldn't doubt that they do put Jimmy in there. Yeah. But they could also put Jay in there as well too. Well, the I, th- I, th- I think Jimmy and Jay will both be in there. Yeah, I mean, they like I say, we're just kind of doing early speculation yes, for it. Yes, Because even on Monday night, they didn't really tease which way they were going to go about the no. chamber. They've been very quiet about it. No, the only, the only thing really, and it wasn't even about the chamber, it was you had uh, Nick Aldis was backstage talking with Adam Pierce. Yeah. But it wasn't even necessarily anything about, or no, they did say, oh, we got to talk about what we're going to do for the chamber. Right, that was it. They, But that was it, because other than that, it was just a couple of like, oh, yeah, like Nick Aldis had a phone call from Braun Breaker. Mm-hmm. Well, because it was coming out of the Men's uh, Royal Rumble, which, I yep. mean, obviously it closed down the show. Mm-hmm. A lot of storylines with this one, so let's <laughs> get into it. Yeah, so the final match on the card was the 30-man Royal Rumble match, uh, which lasted one hour, eight minutes, and 25 seconds. Uh, and then you had Cody Rhodes become the first person in 26 years to win back-to-back Royal Rumbles, eliminating CM Punk. Some of the notable names uh, from this uh, lineup of folks who, who joined, of course, you had Jimmy and Jay Uso start off at number one and two respectively uh jay uso notably lasting 50 minutes and 55 seconds holy fuck mm. uh first surprise return of the night was at the number four position where you had you heard el idolo although it was a little bit different from the last time he a little was bit there. different uh you had andrade return uh which was cool to see uh got a uh, had a decent showing in there, about 23 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carmelo Hayes made an appearance from NXT. Uh, you also had uh, Braun Breaker from NXT uh, show up. Omos uh, emerged uh, after having not been on TV for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, number 22 was the Pat McAfee position, which, listen, I know people are kind of upset. Oh, why'd they do it? They've done comedy spots in the past before. It was what it was. I found it amusing. 
If you didn't, that's understandable. Yeah, that's on you. Our truth came out at the right time this time because the one we forgot to mention, our truth tried coming out during the women's Royal Rumble match. Got in the ring and went, "Where are all the guys?" Yeah, Nia Jax threw him over the ring. Uh, he came out the right time this time, uh, which you then you promptly had the uh, Judgment Day beat the holy hell out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so no, outside of that, nothing really too crazy. Uh, you know, uh, in terms of us, uh, prize entrances or returns. No, they kept it very, I don't want to say traditional, mm-hmm. but there wasn't any big debuts a la no. Jordan Grace no. or Naomi coming back per se. Like well, I, I mean, said, I, Andrade the, was. Well, Andrade was, but like the thing we've known for the women's rumble, and this isn't, an, uh, uh, isn't a knock on the company, you know, ever since they've started the women's Royal Rumble match, they've always had issues filling the field. Remember the first couple of years, it was loaded with uh, returning legends, mm-hmm. you know, and, and folks like, you know, Molly Holly was in it the one year, you know, Jacqueline was in it another year. Trish Stratus was in it like two or three years. Lena was in it for a couple of years. Like, it's it's cool to see it all, but it, it's kind of noticeable when you look at the names on paper, quote unquote, and you see most of them are returning legends and most of them aren't on the current roster, they've always had that issue. So I understood them, you know, bringing in, you know, some more NXT, you know, and then also reaching out to TNA and and bringing in Jordan Grace, which, hey, if that avenue continues down the path and you continue to have that back and forth, I'm all for it. You know, have TNA folks show up on, on, you know, pay-per-views where it makes sense. Send some of your folks over to TNA if you you ain't got anything for them at the time. Hey, it's a win-win, you know, but the men, the men's, side of the roster is just fucking loaded top top to bottom you know and i'm not saying that's a bad thing there's a lot of guys there's a lot of guys who didn't make it onto the men's royal rumble you know you didn't see uh otis you didn't see johnny gargano you did uh xavier woods didn't even make it onto the onto the rumble traditionally in like every rumble since they've been together every active you know currently wrestling member of new day has always been in the rumble together mm. when, when one's not hurt you know, but only Kofi was in it this year. So the men's side of the roster is just loaded. It, it's loaded, and it's a testament to what they're doing with WWE and NXT. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, I was surprised we didn't see more from NXT up there. Yeah. That was the only thing. But I understand with how the rosters are filled out I right thought now. We, I thought we might see Trick just because he showed up on Friday. I was hoping we saw Trick like, and, and, like, I know he showed up, and, and if you could read his lips when he saved Carmelo on Friday, he said, oh, I'm, I want to make sure you're okay for our match or whatever it was. Like, I figured, all right, you know what? Hey, they've got him there. He's in town. It's not far away from Orlando. He might make an appearance. Mm-hmm. No, but other than Carmelo and, and Braun Breaker, who I think you're going to see at the very least after Mania right. will be officially on the main roster. Right. I think they just wanted to highlight the talents that they had right now. I mean, Christ, even the Street Profits didn't even make it onto the onto the Rumble. Right. I mean, that's just how loaded this field is right yeah. now with WWE. Yeah. But it all centered around three individuals for this match, and that's the big takeaways. Yep. Gunther. Uh-huh. CM Punk. Yep. Cody Rhodes. Uh-huh. And it was no real surprise about how the ending went. Nope. Albeit, though, when it got down to Punk... And Rhodes, because at that point, Drew McIntyre had been eliminated as well. Yep. He was part of the final four there. It was a situation where we were waiting to see what was going to play out. Mm-hmm. Because, obviously, there was many different directions the winner of this could go. Oh, yeah. If it was going to be Cody, you'd think he'd finish the story, whatever the story is going to be. If it's CM Punk, well, chances were... It was going to be him versus Seth Rollins. Yep. 
if Gunther got in, it was going to be who the hell knows. I mean, arguably it was going to be Seth Rollins. You would think, and then Drew McIntyre could have been another one that we all had in question as well. Like yeah. that's the beauty of what we had here. Well, if it was Drew, he'd have gone after Roman. You would think. Because he's been, Lord knows he's been whining about that for long enough. Well, like I say, you, there are so many possibilities, and that's what made this Rumble very special. Oh, yeah. Agreed. So when we got to the final two, and that being Punk and Rhodes, uh-huh. we had a great back and forth. Yeah. Albeit, though, at the time, we did not know of nope. an alleged injury that was going on with CM Punk, which he, he did handle very well. Oh, yeah. Albeit, though, I know a lot of people online have been complaining that he did not look the best in this match overall. Well, when he had an injury midway through the match. Right. And I think that, you know, him coming back to at this stage, he'd been off for a little bit. Doing, yeah. Doing the Royal Rumble is not exactly the easiest thing in the world. No. And as far as I know, the only he hadn't done anything televised wrestling-wise. The only thing I know he'd done, and I can look it up, is a couple of house shows. Yeah, the MSG show against Dominic Mysterio, if I'm not mistaken. So taking all that into consideration... We did get an exciting end to this match. Yeah. And at the end pad, who is going to WrestleMania in the main event? That would be uh, one, Cody Rhodes. Adrenaline in your soul. soul. Something. Yeah, so I looked at Punk. Since he came back to his last match outside of WWE was at All In in August of last year. He did not wrestle another match until the December 26th WWE MSG House show. Then he wrestled another one on uh, December 30th, another WWE House show. Then he did not wrestle again for almost another month at the Royal Rumble. So that did change a little bit of a dynamic. Yeah. So with Cody Rhodes winning, he immediately got on the turnbuckle, pointed right at Roman Reigns, who was in a skybox. Well, for first he gave a little shout-out to uh, Kenny Omega in the box. Yeah. Which was nice. Well, I mean, y- you have to give credit where credit is there. Absolutely. They're still friends. Yeah. Which, shocking as that might sound to, you know, the tribal ones on, uh, on the IWC. Yeah. If you don't think that wrestlers on AEW and WWE don't talk to each other, you're sadly mistaken. Ten bucks says the only people outside of Brandy, Cody's wife, his mom, and anybody inside Cody's immediate family who were happier were the Bucks and Kenny. Because mm-hmm. I guarantee you, they if they didn't see this live, they watched it back just to see it. Oh, I'm sure. Because you know what? They they understand the business, and they understand yeah. Cody, this has been his dream. This has been something that – this is the whole reason he left WWE. Also, it really says something, and I know there's been a lot of speculation about, oh, is it going to be Cody? Oh, is it going to be the Rock at WrestleMania? Feels pretty firmly set when you give somebody an accolade and a credit that hasn't been done since Shawn Michaels did it in, what was it, 95, 96. Mm. And Stone Cold Steve Austin did it in 97, 98. Yeah. And that's go back to back in the Royal Rumbles. They've had plenty of opportunities. Undertaker never did it. John Cena never did it. Triple H never did it. You know, Sheamus never did it. You know, there's a lot of guys that you can go through the list and lineage of in WWE that have won Royal Rumbles. None of them have ever done it back to back for 26 years until Cody Rhodes did it. Right. Feels pretty firmly set where they're going. Oh, you would imagine. Yeah. That it's going to be him versus Roman. Albeit, though, Monday Mm -hmm. night, we did get a lot of information. Yeah. We have to kind of break down very quickly. Yeah. And the first was CM Punk announcing his torn tricep. Yep. So he is not going to be at WrestleMania. No. I put an asterisk by it yeah. right now yeah, because we instantly had Drew McIntyre come out, cut an amazing Whoa. heel promo. Jesus Christ. And saying, to paraphrase, I prayed for this. It came true. My goal is to make sure you didn't make it to WrestleMania. I did my job. Yeah. I am happy. Yeah. And stemmed in there, 
there was a little skirmish going on. Yep. Now, Punk was using the taped up arm. The, the, the arm in a sling. Right. To fight back. Yeah. So I'm going to say in a percentage. Sure. There is a 10% chance that this is all a fake to throw the internet off. 10% chance, 15%, 5% concentrated power. Sorry. Yeah, you can go re- you can go remember the name if you want. But there is a I'm saying it's a very low percentage chance yeah. that, that they want to throw everybody off. I mean, I could see it just because, you know, he's never officially main evented a WrestleMania and I know some folks do see his uh, match against the Undertaker at WrestleMania, whatever it was. It was the main event. It, it was the main event. But In my eyes, yes, I was there. Officially, never done it, so I could see him going for the, you know, the roundabout long way. Like I that like to give him the main event and really give him a memorable story. It, it's wild, but I I don't doubt it. Well, I think in this day and age of the internet. And how many times have we gone on yeah. social media yeah. and Blank has said, oh, this is happening, sources. Right, and, like, I would be further in the camp of this is a work and he's going to still be able to go if WWE had announced it first. Yeah. Because historically, when WWE announces a superstar, male or female, has an injury, most times it's a work. Oftentimes it comes from secondary sources, you know, pick pick your site, pick your reporter. And more often than not, it's legit, but hey, there's always a chance. That's why I say my quotations with sources, you know, like, like I say, the internet likes to run wild with trying to just say anything at days. Like you really want to find out my thoughts on that. Uh, I have a great article up on nerdinitiative.com about it's all about the rage. Yes. Uh, Go check that. But in this situation, like I said, it could be, I'm not saying it is. Sure. But just entertaining the realm of thought. We've seen some unconventional things going on with this injury. It's also True. not un- unlike uh, Triple H to be unconventional with his storytelling. Right. This, a- this ain't the tried and true tested method of uh, former regimes. Exactly. So, I mean, that's the situation. It could just be they're trying to do something different, which is all possible. Yeah. But I do think, unfortunately, he is injured. I, th- I think so, too. Yeah. Which sucks. Like I say, I think, unfortunately, that is the case. The pop when he comes back, though. Well, that's what I say. They could pull off some crazy swerve if they really want to. I think if Drew is still talking about him next couple weeks. I'll listen to it. Put it to this way. Drew ain't going to stop hearing his name chanted at him until he comes back. Oh, yeah. He's all but guaranteed that now. Yeah, because, I mean, there is a lot of speculation going on with Drew, too, and his status with WWE. And I'm just going to say, until I don't see him in a ring, until I see Until until we see a future Endeavors post. Yeah, until we see the... the, uh, we wish him well on his future endeavors. I'm still believing he's going to be there long term. So yeah. I will put any nonsense like that to bed. But also, I, also, I feel like you don't have Punk come out. With Punk being out until at least September, I would say, maybe late August, you know, you don't have Punk come out and say, you know, when I come back, you're the first person I'm going after to Drew if he's not already re-signed or close to re-signed exactly like, like i feel like even if he's not already re-signed if you say that he's got one foot in the end zone oh yeah i mean that's the whole thing they're both smart about working the crowd oh yeah so could it be a work sure 10 percent. sure 90 percent though i think unfortunately yeah he's out yeah that is going to cause a little shift in plans for mania well that and that's why you saw when cody came out later in the night mm-hmm. rollins came out and kind of appealed to cody like oh this this is the workman's title this is the blue collar title your dad would have preferred this title yada yeah 
And and that's why Cody said, I'll think about it, which in case you didn't pick up on it is the polite way to say no. Mm-hmm. All that is, is it's Cody and, and the writing team punting the ball down the field a little bit so they can figure out what they're going to do to fill in the match that was supposed to be Punk versus Rollins. Yeah, because I think... I think, unfortunately, right now, and this is super early speculation, I think the only person losing here is Damian Priest. Because because the situation here is, what I think is going to happen is, Gunther is still in that title talk. Yes. Nobody mentioned him about the belt this week. Correct. What I think, and this is my super early prediction, I think he's going to drop the belt. Which hasn't been thrown out the last week or so. Right. Before Saturday. Mm-hmm. No. It, 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 I saw that whole prospect and that possibility get thrown out into the ether before Saturday in the last week. But not but not my plan about it. No, not yours, but just the prospect of, of Gunther dropping the IC belt if he should win, you know, the, the heavyweight championship. Depend, yeah, well, it, well, here's the situation, too. It could be a situation he enters himself into the Elimination Chamber, depending on what it is. I don't, sure. They haven't really done double duty there. Sure. But what I could see happening in this situation is he drops it to Jey Uso mm. in Perth mm-hmm. and then frees himself up to go fight Rollins because of reasons. They can, yeah. they can book something quick yeah. for that yeah. for yeah. Mania. And then there you have your Mania match involving stuff. Yeah. You know, and that's a suitable replacement too. Yeah. So it all depends on what they want to do here. Yeah. But I think what they're being smart right now is teasing the fans, keeping them on their edge because now the prospect of like, oh, Cody could go right. fight yeah. Seth Rollins. Because Cody really sold it well and really looked like he was considering it. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think if they do, it would be a great match. But yeah. here's the problem you have. Yeah. That does free up Rock Roman. Are you literally going to have The Rock come in, win the world title off Roman? No. Uh, I mean, I, I think if Rock Roman happens, it's next year. I don't think it's this year. No, I think they're going to. I think if we hadn't had the writer strike and, and the actor strike. Or, or what? I, yeah, it was the actor strike. Yeah, both. And things get so backlogged in Hollywood, mm-hmm. there there'd be a great shot at it. But there's so much that's already starting back up and getting ready to start back up. He's already bit. Rock's already busy enough as is. Yeah, he's going to be even more busy this year. So I don't think it's going to be this year. I think if anything, it's going to be next year. I think so. And, too. and the belt's not going to be on the line. It's going to be just for you know head of the table. Yeah, tribal combat match, whatever. In terms of what's going to happen with Seth, I think it's going to be this. I think it's going to end up being. Seth versus uh, Drew, because Drew's going to go on a rampage and start claymoring people's heads off like it's his job. Mm-hmm. Go into the Elimination Chamber, win the Elimination Chamber, challenge Rollins, and then once you get to Mania, whether it be after the match or even during the match, you'll get Priest to cash in, a la Seth Rollins. Priest will win, and that'll piss the fuck out of Damien, because he'll have gotten screwed out of another WrestleMania. Drew, you mean? Uh, yeah, sorry, Drew. That'll piss Drew off because that'll have screwed Drew out of his second Mania moment. Because what's been his gripe the, since they've started this whole thing with Drew is, oh, I never got my WrestleMania moment. Yeah, he never got his moment. I got to win the belt at WrestleMania, but nobody was there to see it. Well, this time it'd be he got to win the he got in the match, but I, you know, for this argument's sake, I'm going to say it happens mid-match, a la Seth Rollins, mm. which would already be, which would also be ironic on the aspect of Seth Rollins is in this match and getting, you know, the other side of the other side of the fence here. Yeah. But Damien comes in, cashes in, walks out with the belt because boom, they already don't like each other. 
you know, Damian and Drew, they kind of put it put bygones aside for the War Games match. Yeah. But they very clearly, ever since and during that match, do not like each other. It doesn't really take much to set up a, a feud between them that, other than, hey, you screwed me out of my second WrestleMania moment. Oh, yeah, they could definitely make that happen easy. I mean, that's the one great thing about having such a deep roster. Yeah. That Triple H and the powers of B will figure a way out about this. And we really have a lot to look forward to coming up on Friday for SmackDown. I mean, was there anything else really on Raw this week or we, we missed? Um, not really. I mean, main event was what it was, you know. Drew and Sa- or Sammy. Drew and Sammy. Yeah. No, I mean, nothing really super crazy. Oh, uh, Andrade signed with Monday Night Raw, mm-hmm. uh, which would lead, him, lead me to believe because, hey, they like keeping couples together these days. Yeah. Uh, me thinks that once Charlotte comes back, she'll come to Monday Night Raw on a trade of some sort. Yeah, they'll work that out. They'll, they'll work that out. So that'll give a buffer, a boost to uh, the Monday Night Raw women's roster because with Naomi going to SmackDown, SmackDown might have the most loaded women's roster in wrestling right now. If you really think about it, it's kind of fucking wild. It's up there with uh, TNA's yeah. women's yeah. Kn- knockout division. But you got so you got to figure Charlotte will be coming to Monday Night Raw. Um, I know some people are wondering what's going to happen with the Friday Night SmackDown commentary team because Kevin Patrick got let go from WWE. Uh, being reported today, it's going to be uh, Wade Barrett on color commentary. And Corey Graves on play-by-play. I'm okay with this. Yeah. To be honest with you, I think Corey Graves on regular commentary, not doing... um, The shtick. Yeah. I think he'll be fine. Yeah. I really think he'll be okay. Yeah. And and Pat McAfee and Cole on Raw, fucking give it to me. For the last run, I guess. Well, well, until college football comes back. Yeah. And then he'll be busy again. Yeah. Either way, a lot of things we would be excited about going into the road to WrestleMania. The next stop will be at Elimination Chamber. We got a lot of shows in between then. Fucking 4 in the morning start time. Yeah. A- or 5 a.m. Eastern. Oof. We will not be up that early for that one. No. Just going to put that out there. But we will be up early to talk to you about wrestling on social media. So make sure to hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPagePod. What is your takeaways from this past weekend's WWE weekend? Like I say, weekend was so good, we had to say it twice. If you want more pro wrestling content, make sure to check out Nerd Initiative's Wrestling Night Live every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Nerd Initiative YouTube and streaming sites. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about, first of which is obviously the local minute, and we have some Rumble Ponies news. Hey, now. Uh, Because the Rumble Ponies today, as we record, announced their uh, field staff, their coaching staff for the upcoming 2024 season. Not going to go through the whole list of folks. There's a lot of folks on this list, but I'm going to go through the notable ones. Uh, Returning as manager is going to be Reed Brignac. If that name sounds familiar uh, and you're a Major League Baseball fan, that is because he played a number uh, nine seasons in the majors with the Tampa Bay Rays, Colorado Rockies, Atlanta Braves, Philadelphia Phillies, New York Yankees, and the Miami Marlins. Uh, he was drafted in the second round of the 2004 Major League Baseball draft. Uh, and the reason he's back as the uh, manager of the Rumble Ponies was, hey, because he led them to an impressive uh, record last year, going to, for, to the postseason for the first time since 2017, and made it all the way to the Eastern League uh went on to the Eastern League uh, Championship Series. So, hey, kudos to him. Uh, You've also got A.J. Sager back as the Rumble Ponies pitching coach. Uh, You know, 
had uh, in reading from the article on Rumble Pony's website, it says, quote, Sager's pitching staff in 2023 set a Binghamton franchise record with 15 shutouts and took home five Eastern League honors. Dang. Highlighted by, by Mike Vassell winning Eastern League Pitcher of the Month for May and Dom Hamill being named Eastern League Pitcher of the Month for September. Sager's staff also ranked first in... Th- of uh, first among the 30 double a clubs in strike rate and walks issued and second in opponent on base percentage. And then on September 7th at Hartford, right-hander uh, Joander Suarez through the eighth no hitter in franchise history, facing the minimum 21 batters over seven innings. Uh, also Dar- uh, Darren Everson is back as the hitting coach in his second season with the rumble ponies. Uh, he guided the, uh, again, reading from the article on the rumble ponies uh, website it says, quote, last season, Everson guided an, an offense that notched seven walk-off wins, had a player, have four plus runs batted in in a game 12 times and saw two different players hit three home runs in a single game. Two guys hit three home runs in a single game. That's wild. Yeah, fucking wild. Uh, he spent the prior five seasons uh, as the Colorado Rockies hitting coordinator. He also served as that organization's uh, AAA hitting coach in 2017, double-A hitting coach from 2013 to 2014, and was the club's double uh, A manager from 2015 to 2016. So definitely some interesting stuff. Uh, baseball season right around the corner here. Uh, pitchers and catchers reporting uh, but just about two weeks. You got to love it, though. Absolutely. Like I say, baseball is kind of heating up. Yeah. Uh, a couple free agents still out there right yeah. now. Yep. 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 But there hasn't been a lot of talk per se. No. No. So. Blake Snell, still a free agent, asking way too much fucking money. Yeah, the allegedly's uh, turned down the Yankees six years, 150 mil, wants nine two seventy, And uh, that's the only allegedly. offer. That's the only offer he's received, allegedly. Yeah, so uh, wait and see, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, then we're going to talk a little bit of Binghamton Black Bears news and looking at the standings of the Federal Prospects Hockey League and the Empire Division. Another week, Binghamton still in first place. Yes. Uh, Through 31 games played, they have a record of 21 wins, uh, three losses, six losses in overtime. Uh, They've got uh, no wins in overtime, but they do have one shootout win. Uh, they've got 71 points, which puts them ahead of Motor City in second place with 52. Danbury's in third place with 47. Watertown's in fourth place with 34. And Elmira in last place with 25 points. Uh, looking at the schedule from this past week, they had two games, uh, one on the road, one at home. The road game was Friday, January 26th against the Watertown Wolves, where they won by the final score of 5-3. to three. Then they came home Saturday to play the Elmira River Sharks, where they won... Nine to two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Got a couple of games uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, We got one game this week's weekend, excuse me. Uh, Friday, February 2nd, 7 o'clock Eastern, we'll be at home against the Motor City Rockers. Uh, So that'll take place, like I said, 7 o'clock Eastern at the Visions Veterans Memorial Arena. For tickets, more information, all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. Uh, then we got to talk a little, couple different things of sports. Uh, first, well, one thing of sports, but first of which is some NBA news. No, it's not about the Knicks or anything in the regular season. The Knicks are looking amazing right now, except for Julius Randle, who's out with a shoulder injury. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. weeks, not months. That's the big key word. But yeah. the Knicks are looking amazing. Yeah. Uh, but we do have uh, – got All-Star Weekend coming up here a couple of weeks, uh, February 17th specifically. Uh, but you do have an unprecedented event taking place at All-Star Weekend. 
Uh, reading from an article on ESPN.com, by, by the way, of Kendra Andrews, says, quote, NBA all-time three-point leader Stephen Curry and WNBA single-season three-point record holder Sabrina Ionescu will compete in a three-point contest at All-Star Weekend in Indianapolis on February 17th. This will be the first time an NBA and WNBA player will go head-to-head in this kind of competition, which the NBA announced uh, Tuesday. The Warriors' Curry will shoot from the NBA three-point line with NBA basketballs, while Liberty's Ionescu will shoot from the WNBA three-point line with WNBA basketballs. Curry hinted at the possibility of the competition on January 25th when he was heard talking to teammate uh, Brandon uh, Podemetsky, saying he and Ionescu should compete. It didn't take long for Ionescu to take to social media and accept the challenge. Ionescu won the 2023 WNBA All-Star Three-Point Shooting Contest, scoring 37 points on 25 of 27 shooting, the most in WNBA or NBA history. Curry holds the previous record at 31. Mm. This is going to be fucking... That's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome, and it's going to be lights out, and I'm hoping it goes to like double overtime. I think it might. You have a legit chance of that happening. Uh-huh. So that'll be fun. Yes. So speaking of All-Star Weekend, though, uh-huh. this weekend is the NHL All-Star Game. Hey! So hailing from Toronto, Canada, the game is going to be going down on February 3rd. Okay. So this is always, it's a fun little break, too. Like I say, if you're looking yeah. for the skills competition, that's going down the night before on the 2nd, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, I believe this is going to be on ESPN and ESPN Plus. ABC. Makes sense. Like I say, it's going to be featured on there. So this is going to be a fun time to go check out some, you know, a very loose weekend, shall yeah. we say, yeah. uh, for the uh, the hockey, because obviously there's a lot going on. Rangers are still looking in first place in the Metropolitan hey. Division. Albeit, though, they were dealt some very, very tough news this week. Uh, Philip Chidel is going to be out for the rest of the season. Ooh. So unfortunately, he's had some setback from his injuries going on, Yikes. and it's it's sounding very bad. So I'm just hoping he comes back healthy if and when we see him next season. So obviously, uh, you know, positive thoughts and vibes out to him uh, dealing with this. But, yeah, that's a crushing blow to the Rangers. Yeah. But they're still going to be making a run, obviously, going into the offseason. Yeah. Or to the playoffs, playoffs, I should say. Because, you know, I'm thinking offseason because – Obviously, with football, it kind of switches the offseason yeah. for me. It's still yeah. tough to talk about, even though with the with the Bills not being in the, in the Super Bowl, I'm just kind of you know balancing my New York you're, teams. You're out. used to it, though. Yeah, my New York teams are kind of getting there. Well, I say usually we have like a, a easier pill to swallow than uh, blowing the lead at Kansas City, but, uh, yeah. but I digress. But we have one more story to talk about. Yeah, we do. For one of our favorite listeners, these goddamn motherfuckers. Yep. So, uh, Pat, I'll let you take this one away. And this person will know who, it is, who we're talking to almost as soon as I read this headline. Yeah, I'm expecting to get that call from him as soon as, soon as we get done with the show. From, from Pete Thamel on ESPN.com. Quote, sources, NCAA investigating Tennessee for NIL violations. Ooh. The University of Tennessee is under NCAA investigation for violations related to, related to name, image, and likeness. Sources confirmed to ESPN on Tuesday. The investigation puts the volunteers in the crosshairs for potential sanctions as repeat violators. Tennessee is fresh off an NCAA ruling in summer 2023 in which it was charged with 18 level one violations. 18. And fined a record $8 million. 
Oh, my God. The scope and breadth of the current allegations, according to sources, include the potential for the enforcement staff to charge multiple level one and level two violations. The case revolves around activity related to the Spire Sports Group, which is Tennessee's primarily and primary NIL collective, sources told ESPN. The case is fundamentally tied to football, but the Spire Sports Group sponsors athletes and other sports. The NCAA's investigation into Tennessee was first reported by Sports Illustrated. Tennessee has pushed back against the allegations. A document attained, obtained by ESPN shows Tennessee Chancellor Donde uh, Plowman uh, told NCAA President Charlie Baker the allegations are, quote, factually untrue and procedurally flawed. Uh, in the letter obtained by ESPN through an open records request, Plowman called the NCAA's NCAA rules regarding NIL intellectually dishonest in how they are written. The tension comes at a time when the NCAA appears to be focusing on rules tied to name, image, and likeness. Recent cases that emerged in both Florida and Florida State were tied to NIL allegations. Tennessee declined comment when reached by ESPN. The school has yet to receive a formal notice of allegations from the NCAA. Sources said, quote, I'd say there's a real uptick in NIL cases, portal issues, a source familiar with the NCAA space told ESPN. There are two main areas of enforcement staff inquiry, and those go hand in hand a lot of times. The NIL money is being used as transfer bait, close quote. Tennessee's defense appears to be laid out in a scathing letter from Plowman to Baker, quote, the NCAA's allegations are factually untrue and procedurally flawed, Plowman wrote in the letter. Moreover, it is intellectually dishonest for the NCAA enforcement staff to pursue infractions, infractions cases as if student athletes have no NIL rights and as if institutions all have been functioning post-Alston with a clear and unchanging set of roles and willingly violating them. Close quote. Plowman hinted at the scope of the chain charges by defending Tennessee from a perceived lack of institutional control. Quote, it is inconceivable that our institution's leadership would be cited as an example of exemplary leadership in July 2023, then as a cautionary example of a lack of institutional control only six months later, Plowman wrote to Baker. Lack of institutional control, one of the most serious charges that a school can face, could be tied to the potential of Tennessee fail, uh, falling under repeat violator status, which is an issue of contention for the university. Per NCAA bylaws, a repeat violator happens within a five-year window of the starting date of, of a level one or level two penalty stemming from a previous case. Close quote. Wow. Those sons of bitches. That's that is not good. Throw the book at him. Yeah, uh, I think there's gonna be some heavy penalties coming down. Probably. So we do know uh, our our favorite listener down there. Uh huh. That represents the U of T, if you will. Yeah, he does. Uh, with that sweet tea in the nerdy South, <laughs> is gonna have a little something to talk to you, us. About. You and I are both gonna get an angry message later. Oh, we are. I could just imagine it right now. So we'll definitely be talking about that on social media with all the topics we talked about this week. And for anything else, it is the ODPH. You can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's it for sports this week. So for the one only Padawan J, fuck the Astros. I'm your host Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast. We'll see you next time. Such wasted time Swiping left and swiping right On people you could know
Cause anyone is worth a damn Be worth way more than a picture could ever show You can find the right light, find the right angle And never find your soul And it can feel like a losing battle And this plot is full of holes This modern way of finding love Just makes me feel so alone And I can't be the only one Sick of staring at my phone So look up Everyone has just one true love All I know is you're across this table And you're all I'm thinking of So look up, talk to me A better way to spend our energy Just look up, talk to me Swiping left and swiping right on people you could know